This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ready now. What are we talking about? Villa, maybe? Uh, what's our vibe? We're, we're kind of on a renaissance vibe, aren't we? Usually. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. obsessed with, with beating Birmingham City, we have to be obsessed with winning every game, regardless of whether it's Birmingham, West Bromwich, Albion, Derby County, because our obsession is, is to get into the top two this season or the top six if we can't make the top two. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. MyOldManSaid.com, nominated for the FSF Awards that we have no chance of winning. And joining me, <laughs> first of all, Mr. Chris Budd. Hello. From, uh, where is it, Bristol that you came from? I was in Bristol last night, yeah. Were you raving, Chris? Uh, Kind of. Well, kind of. Me and, me and a mouse. What kind of mouse? A dead one. <laughs> <laughs> care, care to explain? You creepy, creepy man. I was, was in creepy. Bristol with Dead Mouse last night, which was great uh, fun. Halloween was uh, was like weeks ago. I know. But also, you know. also joining us back from the dead to keep on this <laughs> creepy theme. <laughs> Dan Dan Rogers from the Underground dot com. Welcome back from the dead. Thank He's you very back much. Back in the game. Listen, you know, you know, in the lead up to a derby, one has to take in serious <laughs> meditation. Uh, so that's that's why you've crept out for this. It's, it's tantric thing. with videos of <laughs> you, 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 and about ten thousand other Villa fans. No, You're just no, like no, the no. Blues fans. You just turn up when the Villa play Blues. <sighs> whatever, whatever. You all live in Litchfield and <laughs> <laughs> insert recurring jibe. Excuse me, what's your postcode again? Uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sorry, we've been through this. We've been through. Sorry, this. I forgot. I forgot to do the podcast guest security check. The postcode security check. <laughs> it's uh, listen. Doesn't matter. My, my 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 spirit, my animal spirit. This is very much at Villa Park at all times. It's all right. We'll we'll let you off. There's there's some websites out there. Who, Villa websites that were run by people who had never actually visited Villa Park. Right. Well, it's the Blues Derby on the horizon. It's just a routine three points. Uh, well, there's a quote for a Blues podcast to uh, pick up on and run next week. Hopefully, it's a uh, routine three points. We'll get on to that in due course. Mm. First of all, the main bit of the show, uh, obviously it's been International Week and it feels like the last game against Derby was months ago, but we've obviously discussed that in a previous podcast. Since then, uh, I've had the uh, the pleasure of meeting Villa's new CEO, Christian Perslow, at the Aston Villa Fan Consultation Group meeting. So we'll go through the uh, the points of that and first impressions, etc. Then, uh, I don't know, we'll go through the kind of issues that are floating around about the season so far, and then obviously looking ahead uh, to the games leading up to Christmas. Are Where were you when we were good? Is a Blues-Derby game, actually when we weren't that good, actually. It was under Graham Taylor, but it's more uh, a lesson in complacency so uh, we don't just turn up expecting to win uh, on Sunday because uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a battle. I think if you uh, if we were playing that game, let's say, two, three weeks ago, I think I would probably put my money on the Blues to get a result there, don't you think? It's, it's too tight to tell this time, isn't it? I know, we'll, we'll hammer them. That's the spirit. That's the yes. spirit. That's right, the spirit start. that made Britain great. Let's uh, anyway enough of this championship nonsense. Let's uh, get on to the three points and talk about the sexiest new tournament in uh, the world of football. Point number one: uh, UEFA 
Nation League. Nations League? What, what do you call it? Either way, football's coming home. The last last few days have been a revelation. The England game was... Uh, did you watch it, folks? Uh, no. Oh, Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. We can have a conversation then. <laughs> Uh, when Croatia went 1-0 up, I thought uh, that was it, really, because I, I thought there's no way England are going to pierce uh, the uh, the formidable Croat bat line. But obviously, they'd only played on Thursday, so they were prone to uh, get a bit tired. But uh, we, we, did you celebrate when they got the second, when they got the winner? Did you punch the air? Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I think the thing with England is that we've got the makings, I think, of a, a genuinely top team. And I think it's where, where can we... Is this the right sort of format of competition? I mean, that's 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 how we, what we're discussing it in that context, aren't we? I suppose, and it's World Cups that count. But no, I mean, I think this tournament is pretty good because talking about we're talking about having you know, can England progress from the World Cup? And in this game, if they'd have lost that game or even the score draw, they'd have been mm. relegated from mm. the top tier, and that's where they were heading, obviously, uh, until the final few minutes. But winning it. They've suddenly topped a group with Spain and Croatia, and it is uh, a step forward from, uh, let's say, a World Cup where people were kind of whispering under their breaths that we hadn't actually played anybody really mm. good and, mm. until we played the Croats. No, I think it's. Oh, we only have to look at Germany, I suppose, because Germany are on the other end of that of that scenario, aren't they? They've just been relegated from their group. Yeah, and Holland are reborn again after obviously scoring that yep. late equaliser and getting through ahead of the world champions, France. And the, the, I mean, my favourite game was what the Swiss did to uh, Belgium after Belgium had gone two 0 up. Oh, they were up within within seventeen minutes, weren't they? And then yeah, and then and absolutely uh, hammering, absolutely hammered them. Funny enough, the person I was watching it with, uh, I was saying, oh, most most people, probably England fans, were thinking, oh, Belgium will qualify and. Uh, mm out of that group and probably win the, win the tournament in the end. But then I said, oh, no, the Swiss are going to turn this round, win 6-2, and then just storm through in Portugal. And they were just one-off making my prediction sound very scary because so that would have been pretty, pretty good prediction. What's your prediction for Sunday? Uh, I don't know. I think we – well, we'll talk about it later. I, I just <laughs> want to go straight to point number two where Nigel Kennedy, a couple of days ago, played a concert in Munich – it's actually at the weekend, just gone. And uh, I think he had four musicians with him, and they were all dressed in villa shirts. I like Kennedy. Kennedy's... But got some bands. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, he's, and it, to be fair, he's always flown the flag for Villa through through thin and thinner, you know. Oh, I do like yeah. that. He... And, and just in case you didn't get the link there, a dear listener, Munich, as in Bayern Munich, Aston Villa beat Bayern Munich in the European Cup. 1982, bit of a history lesson there. If you didn't know that, what are you doing listening to this show? Spread the word. The, the other local fans really appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah, spread the word. We were used to be European champions. But no, Nigel Kennedy obviously uh, taking the piss, basically, out of uh, people in Munich. I'm sure they had no idea. How many people in a, in a room of, let's say, 2,000 would have got that? Yeah, 2,000 people in a, in a, in a classical music concert. In Munich. This. How many people would have gone, that bastard? Heckle him. Boo! <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Anyway, right, point number three, uh, I had the pleasure uh, of going to the, the launch of the new book that's come out this month called Ticket to the Moon, Aston Villa, The Rise and Fall of a European Champion. Good book. I'm uh, almost uh, at the end of it. Uh, at the launch was, uh, I think, half the team, Kenny Swain, Tony Morley, Ken McNaught, Colin Gibson... Gordon Cowens. Then there was a few couple of players from other eras. Uh, Gary Thompson, who obviously played in the team uh, under Graham Taylor that got promoted. Then John Dean, who was uh, just a few uh, years before uh, the, the team that won the league. And he was more of a 70s villain man. And uh, Ronnie Saunders, uh, Ron Saunders' son. And Tony Barton's son was there as well. So I had good chats with Ken McNaught, Ronnie Saunders... And Steve Stride as well, who who was there. But there is there is this running theme of uh, those guys are not, uh, let's say, celebrated in the way they should have been, and they've been pretty hard done by in in the last few years by the club. Just you know, ridiculous politics and yeah. They're, they're, the club certainly don't parade them, do they? No, and they're kind of rustling around in the shadows of the club when they should be uh, celebrated a lot more. And uh, interestingly enough, moving on to 
the meeting with Christian Perslow, who uh, met the fan consultation group, Aston Villa fan consultation group concentration camp. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it does feel Whoops, like that. Slip, slip of the tongue. The first meeting, it was Christian Perslow's first meeting with the Aston Villa consultation group. So it was the first opportunity to get a real good, uh, well, look and uh, insight into the guy. And one thing that struck me straight away was uh, standards. He said straight off the bat, there's, he hasn't seen anything in the first month that he can't take care of and improve and deal with. And I think that's everything's much- so low. There's nothing I can't <laughs> put my hand on. <laughs> no, pretty much, pretty much. So he it. hasn't seen anything that has that has him flustered. Put it that way. And. So, which says a lot, really, considering... Mm. Uh, I mean, I've been to loads of these meetings with Keith Wyness and um, Dr. Tony popped up. And Dr. Tony was screaming a fantasy. There was hardly any kind of pragmatic approach there. And it was all about positive thinking. But, you know, you actually have to do something to uh, improve things. But, you know, straight away, uh, personally, I mean, when we're talking about the sponsors of the club, people turning their nose up at betting companies, and obviously there's, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how much of the championship have mm. how many betting companies are the shirt sponsors and it's pretty much like i don't know i can't remember off the top of my head it's something like 85 percent, 90 percent. and perslow was basically mm. indicating that he would be looking for something a bit more let's say prestigious to uh, fit the the kind of level of how the club should be regarded to give you an example of the difference between uh, let's say w- what we've come from keith wyness and dr tony and uh, christian perslow is the tannoy the tannoy was a big bugbear of mine, which I'd mentioned to Keith Wyness every time. I said, this is just not good enough. You can't hear it. It makes your ears bleed. <laughs> it's something that every you know every Villa fan who goes to Villa Park, ask them about the tannoy and they'll uh, give well, you... They won't be able to hear you for a start because they've got permanent <laughs> hearing damage. So, uh, I mean, I, I did the last draft of the agenda and uh, mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned about the D- Doug Ellis... Uh, tribute where I couldn't hear, a, I was in the upper halt and I couldn't hear a word. So this is at the Swansea game. I couldn't hear a word of uh, what was being said. And funny enough, uh, Perslow agreed, agreed with a lot of the points. He said some of the points, he said, I've only been here like literally a few few weeks and uh, I understood 100% a lot of these points. And one of them was he'd gone to a lot of care to make sure that this tribute to Doug Ellis was it was a good one and it was with a lot of sentiments. And he, he said, I was sitting there and I, I couldn't hear a word. And uh, he said, I have signed off that they will be a new tannoy and we're going to get a new tannoy in. Now, that conversation with Wyness was always, yes, I agree, we need a new tannoy, but uh, we, you know, we're going to have to wait until we're promoted, until so we have the money we to do it. Money. We didn't have any money. We haven't got any money. So it was all about using TV money, basically, to fix all Villa's problems. So in this case, it's, it's not cheap to redo your tannoy. And obviously, there's that other other angle where they say, well, we're going to have to do some uh, when we get promoted. We might rebuild the stand, the north stand. So that's it's a waste of time putting in a new tannoy system and then destroying it and then having to put it in again. Mm. In my time dealing with them, there was always reasons for not doing stuff rather than a can-do attitude. But uh, Perslow seems to be... Uh, he just makes it happen. If it's logical, if it's sensible, if it makes sense, it happens. And then you move on to the next thing. I mean, before we even got into the agenda, he, he came up with three points of his own. And one of them was Aston Villa, under his watch, will not change the name of Villa Park. So that was a load of bollocks by the Birmingham Mail. Shock horror. Uh, the, and also they were not involved in this 15-club uh, championship kind of break-off league that was being proposed in the, as a rumour in the press. I, I asked him about, as one of the listeners had sent me a picture of uh, Bodymore Heath, the recon signs disappearing. So this five-year deal of uh, the re- was it recon training complex was that the name something yeah something like that wasn't it it had all disappeared and uh, but nobody had said anything publicly about it within five uh, months yeah <laughs> so uh, you know he said simply uh, he gave up his provision to all his uh, anything you know like contracts were all given up when he lost his majority share. Because we asked what is the future of Dr. Tony and, you know, the line the line is, you know, for the foreseeable, and he used the word months, foreseeable months he is obviously a mi- minority uh, shareholder. But he seems to have obviously on Twitter even sunk away. We can't do Twitter with Tony anymore because he's like a little mouse. He's scurried, scurried back in his hole. Oh, that's a shame. And uh, other things like, you know, social issues on uh, 
period poverty, uh, giving free tampons in the ladies, uh, single-use plastics. This is something, I mean, he doesn't want to burden himself uh, by talking about the nitty-gritty of catering and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he basically said all this stuff should be happening already. I mean, he said Villa should be, like, leading in these things. This is It's kind of almost embarrassing that uh, we're having these conversations when it should have been uh, company policy to have all this in place and to actually be leading. Well, if they want the, you know, if they want Villa Park as a venue to be a, a an arena, as it were, of international repute, it has to be able to stand up against, you know, some well, of the best. Any out any there. other entertainment product, because I think yeah, that- you, know, you, you think about going to the NEC or the NIA yeah, for a concert. Yeah. You look at going to Wembley for a, either any sporting event or a concert, and they and they get it bang on. Mm. No, you're completely right. Villa needs to think like the fans hate being called customers, but if you take the supporters aside for a moment, if you know, if you're talking about the consumer experience, and I hate using phrases like that, but when you arrive at Villa Park, you want to have a good experience. Yeah, but I think that it goes. It's broader than that now. That you know, fans are they are we are discerning customers, and it's. I think the annoying thing is that even if. You know, you li- you live in Birmingham or whatever. You you go to Villa Park. You see the standard of the food that you can get in the ground, and then the pricing. And then in the next breath, you could walk away from Villa Park and go to somewhere like I don't know Digbeth Dining Club. Yeah. For <laughs> for comparative money, you can get a vastly different experience. And you think, well, how how can't a club like with with Villa's buying power and infrastructure recreate or even engage with maybe even those organisations? And and as you say, be doing these things already. It shouldn't take someone to arrive and, and come in and go. Why are we? <laughs> Why are we light years behind everyone, you know, even locally? Yeah, and, you know, this is something uh, he, he was trying to get his head around, and it is true. It's it's like this understated brumminess if you, you know, not wanting to make a fuss and just accepting everything. Unfortunately, it, it can come across as apathy, can't it? Yeah, we need to set our standards higher. I mean, I've heard this expression, oh, we, you know, the Villa Way, and, you know, we've got to sustain the Villa Way, but the Villa Way doesn't actually exist. The Villa Way was something... Uh, and if it did, Almost it didn't work. Pre-First World War, when we were actually, you know, setting standards and inventing leagues and being pioneers. I mean, recently, you know, every chance we've had of building legacy, whether it be the early 80s team or, you know, Ron Atkinson, early 90s, we've always penny-pinched and turned away and, and because we didn't feel we belonged at the top table or, you know, we didn't think we should be aspiring to, uh, you know, reach the sun. We've been parochial, haven't we? That's the thing. Exactly. And there's, there's nothing wrong with staying true to your roots and remembering what you, I think the last thing that anyone would want us to become is a, I don't know, a soulless, identical football club. But at the same time, I think you can often look to the continent for some of these, you know, some especially some of the larger, maybe not best European teams, but the larger and, well, best supported European teams. Milan clubs come to mind and some some top uh, Spanish teams. You think yeah. that they still they're still integral parts of their community, you know, as well as being yeah. brand, you know, strong footballing powerhouses rather than brands, maybe strong footballing. You look powerhouses. at you know, look at what sort of Dortmund is. Yeah, Dortmund's That's a like great the, example. The pillar of the local community, and it's run by the fans. Yeah, so, and, and personally, to his credit, he's very in tune with the uh, heritage of the club and the tradition, and and I think that's. A dropped catch recently in the last well ever since we won the european cup i'd mm. probably venture that we haven't banged our chest we haven't as i said in that meeting uh if you're an out of town or you've as, as say you've a villa fan from overseas and you've come for a you know rare trip to villa park you can walk around that stadium and see no sign of us winning the european cup anywhere mad it is absolutely mad we've discussed it before but you know things like you know you walk around town and you know you walk around the center of manchester yeah, and yeah. you've got huge shops for city and united you're going to uh, liverpool and you have everton and Liverpool, you walk into the centre of Birmingham, you wouldn't know there's a football team in the city because Villa or Blues, neither side have a shop or any presence in the city centre. Yeah, I think the way retail's gone, you know, we're not going to have a shop again. But you know, there's there's a call. Maybe let's have a ticket partner where you can buy tickets. But yeah. also, like things like uh, somebody suggested at this meeting, you know, you get in at Birmingham Airport. Welcome to Birmingham Airport, yeah. the home of Aston Villa. Yeah, you know, th- things like that. It's it's pushing that identity and. Uh, but it's building a bra- building a global brand, you know. You, yeah. you, I've landed at uh, Abu Dhabi Airport, and you've got Man City daubed all over the place. Welcome to the home of Manchester City. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the dream. That's the dream. <laughs> well, Just, that was a Damascus or somewhere like that. I don't know. Something. Well, it, it could have it could have been uh, Beijing. Welcome to the home of Aston Villa, but that didn't go to plan. So, so no, it was a very uh, interesting meeting. But the 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 most interesting thing was the tone of. No messing, the kind of like business that. element. Like which he, he, he seems to have been like that from day one, hasn't he? I remember yeah. his initial press conference with uh, with Dean Smith. 
And he was sort of very blunt and said, this is, you know, if there's a job to do and we're going to get on with it in a very understated but very sort of laser-focused way. Yeah, and I think the the press conference you're talking about was the actual first time that anybody had suggested that to get promoted from this division might actually take some work. <laughs> to play football. I've seen DMs in that first season when we were, we were in the championship, DMs from players in the early few weeks saying, oh, 1,000% we'll get promoted this season. You know, all other managers and players from other teams think we've got the best squad and everything. So there was this complete complacency and... Delusion as well. Nobody actually thought uh, that you actually, you know, had to knuckle down to it. Mm. Well, it's this sort of the galling arrogance of the new regime and the, and the club as a whole, really. That it was just sort of, oh, we're going to blow everybody away and... We'll buy, God, were we wrong? We'll buy their best players and uh, it'll be as simple as that. And I mean, even like the uh, some of the social media this week has been uh, almost, you know, again, it's like we're expecting uh, because we've got Balassi and we've got uh, Abraham, you know, they haven't actually clicked on yet, those two players, in, in, as far as I'm concerned. And it's not just because we've got them, we're going to get promoted. You know, we're going to have to fucking work for this. Absolutely. And I think that's the that's one of the frustrating things for the fans who are a little bit more measured is that we're where we are this season, certainly, because we haven't been very good. But everybody knows that it's probably another two gears that this team can go into. Mm. You know, they played very well at Derby. Who knows what team will turn up against Blues and then against Forest. But um, if that team gets some consistency, some continuity keeps the form going there's no reason that they couldn't have a run like Fulham had last year yeah, well, because I mean, of the assets that we have I mean pe- players like Balassi on top form and Abraham on top form shouldn't be anywhere near this division yeah as, as Perslow says the nucleus of the club is obviously the team it's you know it's what mm. happens on the pitch and that, and that is well, it, has the, to, it has to be that is the laser focus because that's what everything runs through I mean which sounds mm. obvious and it, and it is but it's something that as I said there's complacency like you know yeah. after we beat Wolves and we, with, with Although we've got our villa back nonsense. Yeah, we've got our villa back and all this kind of crap. And then you look at that QPR, the crowd were complacent, the players were complacent, and we got a rude awakening, you know, consecutive games against then against Bolton. Mm. I brought this up in this meeting with Wyness. I said, I do not detect a boot camp mentality, a focus. But personally, uh, seems seems to have it. There's no, like, you know, joking around. It's more, uh, there's a job to be done, so let's crack on. Business yeah. Even with, you know, we talk about yeah, the, 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 the tone of the media, and the socials and stuff that gets put out. You know, last season it was all, oh, let's, let's put videos of them sticking trainers mm. to the wall in the changing room. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's all very good and well when you're 10 points clear at the top of the table. But when you're languishing and you're not quite 100%, it just comes across that you're fucking about. I think that's the point. It shows as a well. complete lack of focus. I mean, we are languishing, not just, you know, we, we were languishing at that time, but we're languishing in the second division of, of the domestic leagues. And you, it's refreshing to finally see, I suppose, that we, I mean, we reflected after the, that, that small clutch of interviews. But it was the first time that those that we I think I'd watched anything in a long time on AVTV that had been put out that I thought, bloody hell, this is watchable. But actually, yeah. you know, the questions and the answers, it didn't feel like generic um, throwaway stuff. You know, it was quite measured to take um, Chris's, Chris's word. They were measured responses that you thought, you know, well, that's finally we're talking about what we need to be doing. You know, I'm not, you know, we, we've been talking about a raft of issues that they're, they're peripheral stuff that. The main thing is getting out of this division, and we won't do it without, you know, look at all the rubbish that we've had to, to put up, all the all the bollocks narr- narrative from uh, Doctor Tony that led to led us to nothing, and it's it's of no surprise because the very basics were never there, you know, when, with the yeah. formation of, of even this podcast, uh, you know, two or three seasons ago, you know, it was easy to, to label it profit of doom, but nothing on the pitch suggested we were going to get promoted, did it? And no. you know, it, it gave us no pleasure to say I told you so, and I think that we've arrived at this juncture here finally with a you know an opportunity with a manager who's who's seen by many as progressive and um I, I still think there's work to be done on the squad and and as you say there are individuals who I think have got another gear or two. But the game games and results like Derby show us what massive potential we've got and we've got to now turn that into all of the examples of teams that have got out of the league um, by brute force. Just finishing on the, the frivolous nature of uh, the social media and, and that kind of media output. I mean, mm. one of the things I put in the agenda, which I knocked up the final draft on, one of the examples I gave was how uh, when Villa had found some form and they were they were putting the results together at Christmas, they were doing those videos where they had uh, that two-bit internet comic dressed up as Steve Bruce, very shabbily like a a tramp version of Steve Bruce doing Santa's Grotto. Terrible. And, you know, that's demeaning the villa manager. Taking the piss out of our own manager. Sir Alex Ferguson. Would would he allow that to fly? Would Brian Clough? Would Ron Saunders? Would Pep Guardiola? No, they wouldn't be demeaned by their own club. 
And is it any, you know, demeaned in front of their own players and their fans? And that December, we had suddenly went into a shocking run of form. Obviously, I'm not saying it's related, but it, it doesn't help because you're not focused. It's taking the focus off what the aim is, what the prize is. And there's only one thing, all this bullshit of engagement. It means nothing, does it? It doesn't mean anything. It's, con- it's content for content that sake, isn't it? The marketing department is obsessed with it. And they copy, you know, they're on LinkedIn looking at other people in you know who did the same job in Bayern Munich and other clubs and they copy it the next day there's there was something yeah. on it was Leverkusen wasn't it last week and they, the next day it's the same thing copied and it's you know it's just a bunch of shysters really yeah. and it's th- it's completely throwaway content it's just content for content's sake yeah it should all be moving in one direction and and you know that it's that is promotion and within that remit keeping the football context you can be inventive and you can be funny and you can get people on side and you know moving in the same direction you don't have to be you know patronizing but i don't don't you think the best content comes after we've won a game impressively and look like promotion contenders i I think the content writes itself then you know look at the stuff that's spilled out in the last week or so and that's great because actually it's the most organic stuff it's it's real rather than i mean a lot of the things over the last two three years have been telling us how that we're you know we're on the i don't know that the on the edge of actually doing something significant and isn't, you know, isn't it all coming good or it'll come good soon when all the evidence pointed to the contrary half yeah. the time. And, and, and now we're in this, it's a, it's, a, it's a bizarre place to be actually because we're going into the Blues derby. Derbies can be, what's the word? They, they can be not necessarily barometers to, as to how your season will go, but it comes at a time where we could really use a back-to-back win. Yeah, and I think that's you know this could really be a, a springboard to something, but also it could be a huge deflator mentally. If um, if, if we well, don't get the yeah, I think if Villa win their remaining games this month, the two home ties against the Blues and Forest, I think we will be uh, striding into the, that difficult yeah. run of six games in December, and the other clubs would be you know pooing their pants a little. <laughs> I think we, we we discussed it before, didn't we, Dave? And it was the thing of. Villa have to, off the back of the derby win and having two clean sheets and various other things, go into that the net, the runner games of November, December, and then you look at the January fixtures and they're reasonably favourable, especially the home games. They've got to win them all, but they've got to win those yeah, December they've games, they've got to win those January yeah. ones, they've got to win those February ones, they've got to win those March ones, April. <laughs> Maybe and, April. And that game in May, they've got to win that as well. Yeah. Then we'll be good. They've got, they've, got to see, they've got to see the runner games coming up as an opportunity, not look at it and go, oh, that'll be difficult, that'll be difficult. Yeah. They've got to have that... You know, the, the positive side of being arrogant. As Dan says, you know, if you, you get the back-to-back win, then that suddenly gives you uh, your first foot in and then uh, you take it from there. But they'll need to match. I think, the, I mean, Monks, Blues, I think they will come with a bit of fire in their belly. I mean, they're organised. They're an organised team now. And the, last, the, the team that came to Villa Park last year under Cotterill was a shambles. Yeah. Mm. And their fans admitted it. You know, they didn't turn up. Didn't even get a foot in in that game at Villa Park. I mean, the Blues uh, have been a bit flaky recently, but uh, they were they were on a, a solid run. Was it how many games? Did ten or something that they uh, hadn't been? It was beaten? ten unbeaten, yeah. wasn't it? And they'd won about three or four on the bounce. Yeah, I was chatting to uh, a Blues supporter when he he was talking about those eight draws, and he said, "Yeah, we should have won them all as well." Yeah, there's been real signs of progress, haven't there? I think these Monk, to be fair to him, has has really sort of quietly gone about his business. You know, after all the chaos they had in the summer with embargoes and all sorts and not being able to buy players, the the team he's built is punching massively above its weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dan Dan doesn't sound really convinced by that. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of like I feel quite Dickensian over here. It's like Ghost of Derby Day Past, where. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also very conscious of what might be cut out and appear in a blues podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you feel with derbies? Because I've always felt this that, especially at the moment with where Villa are at, mm. with the sort of the financial disparity between mm. the two clubs, we we can't win really on Sunday. If we were to smash them four five nil, everyone would yeah. say, "Well, you've got a multi-million pound team." Yeah, well, uh... And if you get turned over by Blues, they're going to get lynched. So ultimately, it's one of those games where villagers have to, you have to turn up and just get the job done. I think we need to be professional. However, however. I, I, my, my big yeah, my big worry about Blues is if if I was to it's they've got a striker who's in 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 great form. Yeah, I think that's a worry for. And we've us. got a goalie who's not. <laughs> I think uh, I was I was going to come hey, to the goalkeeper hey, because hey, he's come an, on come on. I mean, it's <laughs> like three clean sheets in the last five games, isn't it? We have a. <laughs> we have a an ability to turn. I think even I mean, maybe half decent goalkeepers. I'm thinking Sorensen. Uh, you put them in a Blues derby, and and they seem to just turn to jelly. And 
We're all scarred especially, by incoming. Especially, <laughs> especially goalkeepers from that kind of hemisphere, that kind of northern <laughs> European, Scandinavian. Especially ones who are desperately trying to trade on being good shot stoppers. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you've probably hit the nail on the head there. If he can keep his balls, uh, keep his faculty together, what's a good description? If he doesn't pussy out, <laughs> <laughs> yes, then I think Villa will be all right. But if he yeah. feels the pressure, and if I was the Blues fans, uh, I would mm. be if they were behind the goal, then mm. uh, we'd have problems. I think because they could really wind him up and focus I, on him. I, I just think I, I want to go back to what Chris was saying about um, that monk. Monk's done a really, really good job for me. If, I think if you had to take away the name Birmingham City from it and say, look, this is the job that he's done and this is where they're at in, in, with the constraints that he's had, they look very organised. Um, and, and I think as well, he's the kind of manager where if you were looking at our team, my worry is he'll be targeting someone like Nyland because it's the obvious weak link, I think. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, irrelevant of what you think of, you know, I want him to come good. I want him to do well. I've had a couple of clean sheets, which is great. But he, well, he's had three in recent games, but he hasn't really been. He hasn't been under pressure in those games. No, no, and I think that this is this is the kind of game where these these derby fixtures, especially looking back over some of the games, you know, they they can they can turn on a on on the first goal, particularly um, on ascending off, and then you can find yourself under very sustained periods of pressure. But but Villa Villa are at home, and they're also mm. uh, they play. I mean, that's obvious. But that possession based football they're playing, and we saw it. Uh, and we've you know we've seen it properly. Let's say away from home so far against QPR, even though we lost that, we you know we should have won that. Yeah, we should. And against that. Derby, and obviously we you know the players are still learning. But Nyland is. A part of that, in terms of his distribution, his distribution has not been bad. He's got, you know, pretty decent variation, let's say. And this is half of the player. I mean, if we're just playing traditionally and they're getting a lot of free kicks and uh, dead balls and they can put pressure on us, then fair enough, he may crumble. But mm. if we control the game like we've done in, in recent games, then, you know, he might have to make the odd save. He's a shot stopper, no, no problem. It's just that if there's sustained pressure and that ball keeps swinging into our box, but we might be in a position where Blues don't actually get a foot in to do that kind of sustained pressure. As you said, if, I think if Villa go into the game and, and play their game and not the occasion, yeah. that old that old cliche. You know, we, if we want to play sort of that ball retention game, I think we will, as you said, control the pace, control the ball, and I think our the quality then should show um if it, if it ends up becoming one of those like everybody launching it back to front horrible mm. games of football which a lot of these derby games have tended to be sometimes um you're allowing a blues team to to come into it you know they're a solid team they always turn up on derby down they always work hard and i just you don't know with the way villa are playing yet do we have the ability to play badly and get a result because the the style of football we play i would suggest that if our passing game falls apart there might not be that kind of grind it out get a scrappy one nil mentality yeah. whereas I think Blues have got that sort of in them to they'll just fight I think a lot of it kind of depends on the injury situation which we're not obviously at the Absolutely. time of recording not 100% on but if McGinn plays then I think we're pretty we're pretty safe because that takes care of business I mean I, th I think um, you, you look at the, the Villa squad and if ever there's a player I mean I, I, I've been saying this since August if ever there was a a new signing that's arrived at Villa that you that will absolutely flourish in a derby game. It's mm. him because he loves putting his foot in. Yeah. Yes, that does worry me. Because um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I think all cards on the table. <laughs> you go, you go back to what Monk's targeting. Uh, I think he's mm. targeting to get him off. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the same with Grealish. I think they'll they they yeah. tactic, they'll be um, yeah they'll be kicking him. And I think because Horahan's going to have have to play a big role in this one. You know, he's if he's playing in that deeper lying role, he's obviously his game is there to be. We we mentioned it before, like a quarterback and sort of really distribute the play, start things off. But if if Blues start getting on top, you just worry if Horahan has the sort of physical presence to to really mix it. If if you know the game starts going against us. 
Well, it's that stepping up, isn't it, of individuals? And I think if there's one thing I noticed, yeah. especially in the early part of this season, where we had the changeover in management, and you know that we just mentioned the QPR game as well, where there are key moments, and we haven't we haven't quite got that clinical edge yet. Where you know, I think Abraham is a fantastic striker, and you know, all the attributes speak for themselves. Has got a habit of missing big chances at key moments as well, and that's the kind of thing you mentioned, Hurahan, where you think right, he's in third gear here. Where's fourth yeah. and fifth? You know, you see those fantastic yeah. free kicks that he scores that speak for themselves. We've discussed before, and I, I do think it's a fair thing to level at him that sometimes he can appear quite anonymous in games. And, you know, combine that with, you know, you, you can often work very hard to create good chances in, in games like derbies, and we've got to take those chances. Yeah, and because I think we're not going to get that many chances because I think the Blues will be tight and compact. I mean, like Harley Dean's uh, had a good season so mm. far at centre back. And they're scoring goals, Blue. Yeah. You know, Jukovic and Shea Adams are, Adams are scoring goals. I mean, you know, they've scored 23 and conceded 20. They've conceded six in the last two. So it's, it's one of those games where you don't, I don't think either team quite know which version of their side is going to yeah. turn up on Derby yeah. Day. And, you, you know, you talk about the taking chances. I mean, um, we, we sort of jotted down some stats, but since Blues went up in the Premier League era, the side that scored first only failed to win the Derby game three times out of 20 games. So it really is a first goal wins type match, this one. He's been dying to get that stat in. I keep, mo- <laughs> I keep mocking him. Absolutely. I keep mocking him because I said, well, normally the first team who scores always you know, pretty much has the best chance of winning. <laughs> but I said to you before, it helps. Since we've been relegated, since we've been relegated, um, since we went down, we've only lost one game at home when we scored first. Yeah, well, so we're still, not, we, we don't roll over I'm either. We're still not giving it the big wow. <laughs> Haven't we got a sound right, effect? Motty. We can definitely right, put motty. a sound effect. Wow. Wow. Well, really? That's amazing. <laughs> You mean like when yeah. we're 1-0 up, we, we normally win the game? Oh, my God. You're saying we've got a better chance of winning if we're hit? <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's maybe something in that. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Uh, <laughs> see, now I'm in the mood for the dub. You fucking watch now. We'll be 3-0 <laughs> up and lose 4-3, and I'm going to stick my fingers up so far at you. <laughs> Well, this, yeah. these crazy results have been happening. I mean, we only, you only have to look at the German-Holland game when Germany were battering them. 2-0 up should have been about 5-0. Didn't win the game. And uh, Belgium against Switzerland when Belgium were 2-0 up after, yeah. what, the yeah. first quarter? Well, and who'd have, thought, who'd have thought we'd go to Derby and win 3-0? Yeah. That is true. And that, and that maybe that's the point to, to sort of draw the line here on the, on the Blues thing. I was not looking forward to this game with Bruce in charge. No. Um, Far more optimistic no. now, and that's not you know we've we've sort of pitched it with with all the all the caveats and, and whatnot, but I think that it's got to be seen as we're in much better shape as things. St- I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray, and I'm Leah President, and this is Crunchyroll presents the Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't, right? Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, as I said earlier on, uh, I prefer this fixture now than, uh, Mm. let's say, if it was three weeks ago. And I think as we saw, this is a team that's in evolution. I'm not going to say transition because I think there's enough players there. He sorted out the defence. 
and it's playing football and we're playing out the back against Derby you know there was a couple of misplaced passes but that's because we're learning and you know you have to uh, kind of forgive that in the process of getting to where we need to be I mean like you know Pep Guardiola's Barcelona uh, when he turned up in the first game I think they uh, a dodgy uh, back pass or a pass across the goal gifted a goal in the first five minutes to the opposition but they carried on playing they won that game 3-1 and you know it happened against Derby a few mistakes early doors as they're but they're sticking to that principle of playing out the back and that back four looks all right when it's playing you know when it's actually yeah. playing out the back it's not we're not in a position now because we use the ball more intelligently we're not giving it away so cheaply so the back four's under a lot of pressure because i don't think this back four's great under pressure but we don't have to be under pressure if we're not giving this you know ball away in a silly fashion i think it's a, it's the tactical thing isn't it of you know he's, he's come in and said okay what's what's going to be the best way of playing to get the best out of what exactly, i've got yeah and these are these they're all ball playing footballers they're not you know it's, we're not like a cardiff last year you know most players you, when you look down our team sheet you think oh yeah they're all generally technically quite good players they want to play yeah, but we, re- we didn't really know that we just <laughs> we've just discovered it thanks to smith <laughs> Oh, wow. Amazing. I, I was sending all those players to the bloody uh, glue factory, but so you've, you've, <laughs> saved, you've saved us. Mr. Smith, you've saved us a lot of money. I've uh, reappraised them. They're all good ball-playing footballers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, mm. though. <laughs> and he's made it look so much so simple, really, because yeah. he hasn't changed things dramatically, like formation-wise or selection-wise. It's just a couple of tweaks and, you know, shock horror playing Twan at centre-back where he wants to play and... Building a partnership, having fullbacks in the Trying right get, positions that never yeah, hurts either. I think because I think I mentioned uh, when he first signed. When you look at what he's done in in terms of let's for one of a better word, physical achievements uh, on paper. I mean, he's he's never finished above ninth in a league, but. I think in the context, you have to see that as like his sandbox. He was like learning mm. his trade at that level. And it, and he's not, uh, you know, they're like mock exams, essentially. He's not ready for the... He's learning his trade. So when he gets a chance, then he can perform. I mean, obviously, I'm saying this with a, a lot of hope. Mm. But he seems very intelligent. Certainly the best Aston Villa manager in terms of post-match uh, discussion and tactics. The principle of, of what he's trying to do is you, it's hard to argue with, isn't it? And, and I'm, I'm, again, very hopeful and you can't see into the future, but just taking what we've been discussing in terms of this desire to have a, a decent footballing style and, and a passing style with it, that I see it on a, you know, we talked about base levels earlier on in terms of humour, but I see it on a, on a very, on a base level in terms of football that the, the passing style that, that we saw adopted previously, let's, let's, let's think of the worst one that was probably Lambert under this guise of I don't know Barcelona-esque football when really it wasn't and we, we neither had the players nor were we playing that style right didn't you go to see Pep Guardiola at Bayern Munich was he that did and, wh- and he must have been wearing blinkers yeah then he came <laughs> then he came back as if he'd uh, seen the second coming or something he said now we are going possession football it was it, just, he like switched it yeah. after that trip, but unfortunately, it wasn't very progressive, and I don't think he really had a high press in place. And that's the and point exactly. There was, that there was a lot of sideways, that. backwards mm-hmm. crab style. Well, there's no, in, there's just no intent. Yeah. You look at across the. I mean, we're nowhere in their league of these teams, but you look at all the sides in Europe who were dominating their leagues and in the Champions League, and it's you know it's your Barcelona, Real Madrid, yeah. Bayern Munich, Juventus in Italy are just all conquering and they all play a ball retention game with a high press and you look at what Man City are doing in the Premier League it's the same they pass and move you into submission don't they and and that's the yeah and even like you know um, this season you look at the way Arsenal are playing now they've sort of started to get their shit together and it's the same thing It's it's a high energy game when they haven't got the ball and it's a controlled game when they do. Yeah, I mean, against Derby, we were switching wingers and you know throwing a few little tricks in the bag just to uh, keep them unsettled. Uh, the Derby defence. So yeah. it's uh... speaking of wingers, would you um, would you start with Balassi? On... Well, I, I can't say yes or no because I don't know the full extent of his fitness. I mean, if he's totally fit, yes, you would. But we don't know. He didn't have a pre-season, so that's part of the reason why he's been kept back. So. I think he starts when uh, obviously the manager feels he's ready. But at the moment, if he doesn't start, I think he's he's a great uh, asset off the bench because he's he's impacting games uh, against Derby. Yeah. It was nil nil before he came on. I mean, at this level, when you get to sort of sixty sixty five minutes and you look at the touchline and see a player of that caliber coming off the bench who is also mm. quick, you you know if you're a fullback, you've kind of got to be dreaded. Yeah. 
to be honest, I, I'm looking forward to him getting to full fitness, but I, I, I share a lot of hope. But uh, he's a, he's got the potential, I think, to to be an outstanding, um, an outstanding player. I think within the squad. When you think about having yeah, someone we, on the run, we've been saying this for weeks. Got, you know, you think of that. I always worry about February, March, when you really want that momentum, and that's where we faltered badly for two seasons. Really, you know, yeah, to have so someone like that in the squad is is. Uh, he could be. He could be the mm, make or break. Though, the real difference in the second half of the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, at the moment, I think he's a card up our sleeve. Absolutely, that's, that's I totally how I would agree. consider him. Right. We'll now go on to the Blues. Where were you when we were good? But before we do that, just a shout out and thank you to the latest Moms patrons that have joined. Common Larkin, Michael Healy, Ronald Bride and Richard Saunders. Thank you very much for uh, supporting the show and also the website and making sure we can run this without turning into uh, some clickbait shysters or journalists. I haven't got the time to knock out 30 stories like the Birmingham Mail does every day on new, no news. Nothing's happened the last few days, but still there's... Uh, anyway, to get more details, go to the My Old Man Said website and click on the Patreon option on the menu. There's also uh, one on the sidebar, but if you're on a mobile device, just go to the, that three-line menu option. Just press that and you'll see it on the menu. Also, new feature, another way of supporting us is to be a supporter on the Facebook page. Just go uh, on the, uh, the My Old Man Said Facebook page and you can uh, sign up to support us there. And uh, we might might start doing a little some live streams and Q&As on there as well for supporters if uh, enough people uh, join the movement, the Mad Few movement. So thank you very much for everybody who's still a uh, patron and Christmas is coming for some and uh, there's quite a lot of reward draws as well uh, to be pulled in the next couple of weeks lots of goodies that uncle uncle santa moms has uh, pulled out of his, his ball sack <laughs> his ball bag <laughs> out of his uh, sack <laughs> right moving on to uh, we, we're calling it where were you when we were good? And we still haven't recorded a jingle. That that was the task we gave Dan, but he hasn't still hasn't. I'm gone still to working it. on it. Um, still hasn't got where that were sorted you? out. No. <laughs> <laughs> where were you when we were good? But actually, uh, the game we've 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 pulled it out the we've pulled it out of ball sack. Actually, wasn't on our lists that we'd compiled to uh, pick from for over the next few weeks. But uh, we thought we weren't pick- any good. <laughs> Because it was a, we we wanted to do a, a Villa Blues one. We've picked one because we don't feel we should be complacent going into this game at all. No, no. So we've actually picked a game where we actually lost at Villa Park. Shock horror, and we weren't actually that good in that period as well. I think we were just leaving the John Gregory period, and Graham Taylor was the manager. Mm. And it wasn't the uh, the nightmare at St Andrews. It was the uh, the nightmare that was to come at uh, Villa Park. Was it March? Wasn't it March? Oh yeah, three. So cast your minds back to March oh three. Graham Taylor in the dugout. John Dean, uh, ex Villa player, as his assistant manager. Potato head in the other Potato dugout. Potato head celebrating like it's nineteen ninety nine in the other uh, dugout. <laughs> well, here's some of the uh, the highlights. Revenge the order of the day as far as Villa are concerned as they get the game underway, kicking towards the halt end. It's the 98th league derby between the second city rivals and so much riding on it and Robbie Savage going in for an early challenge on Stephen Moore. That was Alan Wright and away by Kenny Cunningham. Savage may be setting the tone early on and we might expect to see one or two feisty challenges. Moore going in for the header, it's broken away to Hendry. It's an occasion that uh, could be overwhelming for a 19-year-old like uh, Moore. Only last season was a hero of the FA Youth Cup win. His Dugarry! Fantastic shot and wonderful save from Ankleman. Way by Cunningham. Now Savage. Well, Dublin took him very late and Savage was tempted to react. But Mark Halsey intervened very quickly and oh! Well, Savage has gone down. Did Dublin put his head into it? He's holding his nose, and the referee was right in the thick of it, has got to calm this down and defuse the situation. Well, I think there was some contact there. Theon Dublin was very annoyed about something Robbie Savage had said, 
when he got up from that tackle. It was a reckless challenge, first of all, from Dion. He, he went to ground, something that you can't do these days. Chasing back on Savage. It's a red card! Dublin is judged the guilty party by Mark Halsey, and he's sent off. And immediately the referee goes across to try and stop it getting completely out of hand on the pitch here. But Dion Dublin, who was sent off for an alleged headbutt against the Southampton player last season, that subsequently didn't seem that serious, has been sent off here now for allegedly putting his head into Robbie Savage. Penner. We cross into towards Horsfield. And it's Stan Lazaridis who gets the final touch and puts Birmingham ahead and on course for a league double. J. Lloyd Samuel will be upset that he didn't follow Lazaridis's run. Samuel caught on his heels. Samuel, away by Savage. It's Horsfield is giving chase for it. Samuel has to get the header right here. And Horsfield's taking it away from the goalkeeper. It's two. The goalkeeper had got two controlled hands on that. There were no complaints from the keeper. What a moment for Steve Bruce! Right, that was a it was a f- furious, furious, fiery encounter. But on and off the pitch, on and off the pitch, and ultimately Villa just didn't have the cojones. Uh, nah, they bottled it they completely, f- didn't they? They that fell season to in the general. might of Horsefield. Uh... Is it Horsefield? <laughs> yeah, horse apple. I don't and know. Stan Lazar and Stan Lazaridis. Oh Stan Lazaridis. I mean, these are what Sunday League players at best. Jamie Clapham. But that's Jeff Kenner. But in in the realms of these these derbies, you just need the Sunday League players to actually win it. You need that commitment. Uh, I mean, off the pitch, we we go into this game with the government just releasing the the figures on uh, supporter arrests for the 2017 to 18 season last season in top spot. And I think they were top spot last season out of all the the, uh, English clubs. uh, Birmingham City, 95 arrests, 72% at St. Andrews, 31 public Mm. disorder arrests. Then uh, comes Sheffield United, Third are Sunderland, 62, 60 arrests. Portsmouth in at four. Fifth, always gets in the top five, Aston Villa. Hooray! Boo, hiss. 48 arrests, which is was pretty much half of what Birmingham City got. 33% at home games. 20 violent disorder arrests. Why is this derby uh, so notorious? Well, pretty much because the, the fans are always in the top five of most arrests in the season. I think most of those arrests are in the, the two games, aren't they? Probably, probably. It's certainly a game that's, you know, outside of the Midlands is seen as a bit of a, a second-rate derby, but they just kind of don't get that it's quite yeah. a vicious Rival, local rivalry as opposed to one of sort of footballing prowess it's very much a sort of a, a big brother versus little brother interesting that a lot of the blues arrests are at the home games at st andrews while villa have only got 30 only a third of their arrests are at home games so it's, it looks like it's more the away fans uh, that get up to the high jinks i think aston villa at home it's kind of quite I mean, there hasn't been any issues with the Blues in the recent games. I mean, obviously, it's been well-pleased. But anyway, sorry, we we were on the subject of where were you when we were good. That game, I mean, it it was scrappy, but then it kind of all kicked off in the second half, didn't it? Yeah, it went mental, really, once Dublin had got sent off a horrific tackle and then the headbutt, and then it all went progressively downhill from there. Allegedly, sorry. Well, no, you, you can say if it Allegedly, was or not. I'm just asking your opinion. We're not. We're not. Oh, it definitely, we're, we're it definitely was. Court of law. I'd like. I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think he meant it. I'd like to think he meant it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember he walked up to the camera when he was when he got sent off and, and mouthed the words, "He's a cheat." He's cheating a living. That's well, what he, he meant. So I don't know if he was because he was diving from the tackle. I don't think he was diving because that went straight through him. <laughs> yeah, he threw himself in the <laughs> but air. But he didn't did. He? he did milk the uh, the head, but it wasn't really. He just put his face into his face, didn't he? He didn't swing his head back and nut him in the Glasgow kiss style. But what 
it did cause was absolute fucking carnage, both on the pitch, in the stands, and off the, off the field. It was that was, was the, the uh, I remember after the aftermath of that one. That was the moment where booking histories and all that stuff started coming in at Villa, where there were just Blues fans in all areas, wasn't it? It was fucking yeah. carnage. Yeah. Everywhere went up. It was like running, I remember there was like running battles in the top of the Doug Ellis. In the Doug Ellis, bloody hell. In the upper mm. tier of the Doug Ellis, yeah, they were flying down seats. Bob were all going everywhere. It was fucking Villa <laughs> exactly. dogs in people's eyes. <laughs> fucking, yeah, it was carnage, of- man. News and records being spanked and ultimately it was two pretty bloody average it sides was a, you know, it was a dreadful game of football both fixtures were often overlooked because of the the Enkerman incident in the first but it can't overlook the Enkerman incident in the second often if, if you're a true purist of shocking goalkeeping this this is the one you shouldn't you shouldn't speak in ill of the dead but uh, J Lloyd Samuel didn't really help himself there that head back was uh... wasn't a fucking header it was it Summed up his defending, which was dreadful, forever, consistently dreadful. But I, I rem- will have no other I, words I, I said always about rem- him. I always remember J. Lloyd in in a, in, a, in, a, in the, I don't know what period was his Helsinki years was, the- was when he used to <laughs> dribble round about three. You'd get to the edge of their eighteen and and then start dribbling. Shame it was out of his mouth. <laughs> I left that one a bit open there, but. Uh, <laughs> He was in. He was in the England squad, was he not? He was attacking, t- attacking fullback potential. He just, he just lost it later on at Villa. He just lost it in his defending, and I think that was one of the key, uh, key moments. That the Enkelman Samuel mix-up. I mean, Enkelman just looked shell shocked in both of those games. Yeah, Enkelman was a broken man after the, after the first game, but they should have after that first game. They should have given him one of those Petacek helmets to wear in the second game. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have been the, the smartest move Graham Taylor could have made. <laughs> he was broken, wasn't he? Um, I just, don't know about one of those better check ones. Just one of those BDSM ones where he looks like a giant gimp mask. They, so they, sh- they, should have him, they should have given him the uh, <laughs> G- Gary Mabbott Phantom of the Opera mask. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then over the top of that, put the Petacek helmet on just to hold him together. It'll be all right, Peter. Come on, come on. No, I don't want to go out. No, 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 no. no. Uh, that, that was the end of him. But um, now that was we. And I mean, if you look back on the, the video, uh, you'll, you'll see a, a slimmer Steve Bruce doing cartwheels <laughs> down the side of the hole. Uh, sorry, down the down the side of the Trinity uh, Road stand. Yeah, they didn't show that on the social media when they employed him. <laughs> No, they didn't. Remember, sorry, Good Johnson as well getting sent off uh, in the last 10 minutes or so. He just lost his head yeah. completely, didn't they? As the whole ground did, I think. As soon as that second goal went in, it just went mental for the last sort of 10 minutes. It became a really sort of vicious, na- sort of nasty yeah. occasion then. Crouch, I think Crouch was in the squad then. He came on in the last minute. Yeah. Little did we know he was coming on as a 90th minute sub in that team <laughs> Alan Wright and starting was was Stefan Moore <laughs> talk about little and large Jesus Christ <laughs> swapping a hobbit for Gigantor <laughs> fucking Alan Wright look at that defence you've got J Lloyd Samuel who basically played a right back probably needed J Lloyd Samuel a left footed right Ronnie Johnson who was, was 96 was like years the- old <laughs> give, give or take a, a year or two so basically, we were just playing with Melberg at the back, and then in, then we subbed right for Crouch. Oh Mel- Melberg God. was already sending his CV off to uh, Juventus. Just get me out of <laughs> get here. Get me the fuck out of here. But, and, and Stephen Gareth- Posma's following me around. Gareth Barry was pondering to himself, there must mm. be there must be life better than this somewhere else at another club. Maybe God, Liverpool. Dreadful. I think him and Melberg were probably about the only two that lasted after that, that season, really, didn't they? As soon as O'Leary came in, that, Steph- that squad Stephen got Moore. dismantled very quickly. Oh, just... He started, got the took Moore off at half-time for being crap, and Hadji <laughs> came on. I mean, it's... He, he should have played Crouch again, from the off, I think, in that game. Maybe he didn't fancy him, I don't know, didn't fancy the physicality of the game. But Crouch and Dublin up front, just pump it up, away you go. If I remember, Henry had a, sh- a chance, I think he had Villa's first chance. If that went in, then mm. probably a different story. But uh... Summed up his Villa career, really. That it was uh, People could be revisionist. And it summed up that, that whole season in general. Villa Terrible. were crap all that year, weren't they? I remember the derbies, we were dreadful in most of the games. I think we beat the Albion in the last minute. 
other than that, in all the, the sort of the derby games and we the, the bigger games, we were we were mm. really poor and we're, we're kind of relatively lucky to stay up in the end. I think we only stayed up in the last like the the final home game. Yeah, of the they, season. they should have like put it over the reception as you go into Villa Park in stone that this can never happen again. Getting doubled by the Blues and and the Blues did it because they were just fired up. There was they were more committed in both of the games and the crowd. Once the crowd got wild up, they turned it into a, a firefight. Got the crowd riled up, and uh, they just outdid us. And since you know, blue, you know, no, it's no coincidence that when Villa actually play mm. their game um, and play football, yeah. Blues have won one of the last fourteen between the two sides. It's not a coincidence that when Villa sort of try and play the Blues way, it backfires. It evens up the contest. If we play our way, then they can't really lay a glove on us most of the time. I mean, when, when it's at St Andrews, it's a lot tighter and it's a lot cagier I mean it might be a bit different this season we, 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 sh- we shall see by the time we play them second half of the season we might be like the Harlem Globetrotters uh, blowing teams away but I'm just basing that on the last uh, like last 20 minutes <laughs> against 20 Derby really minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's my. That's the only scientific sample I've got to uh, justify that outlandish statement. I do, I do. I've quite enjoyed the fact that we do a segment called "Where Were You When We Were Good" and we picked a game when Villa were truly appalling. It's, we we need we to remain picked, you know, grounded. We, exactly. What, you know, that- we do because we, we we had the options of like five yeah. one wins, yeah. last minute yeah. wins at yeah. St Andrews, games that virtually relegated them. Gary Cahill's but goal. Feel, but this is a this is a. But this is so this much is better. Concentrated Aston Villa. That, that just looking at the names. I mean, just take. I mean, Hadji. I mean, Hadji was a player who uh, allegedly Villa weren't weren't playing because they didn't want to activate his. Fee to Coventry, you know, so he'd appear in these sort of smidgeny thing. <laughs> Stefan, I mean, what the Posma, Hitzelsberger, oh. oh. strap, strap on. Hitzelsberger was on the bench; <laughs> he wasn't on. even used. No. Strap Good on. Johnson, look at you know our midfield, our centre midfield was. <laughs> strap st- on. To a Posma. I'm talking about um, Posma. Strap on. We're talking about his wife be. putting a strap on on, and uh, there's a video. I think you could probably still find it on the internet. Just look up Steph Stefan. Posma. Greatest Aston Villa moment. <laughs> Greatest historical <laughs> Aston Villa moment. Maybe throw in strap on in the Google Yeah, search. I mean, just, just type that in anyway. And maybe something like yeah. by his wife. Uh, there's another word, but uh, we couldn't possibly say that. Mm. Who's Ed, Edwards? Rob See, Edwards the guy who went on to Wolf. Brief. Ah. Yeah, many years. In fact, he may still be there. Yeah. In a coaching, co- coaching, coaching, isn't he now? Anyway, the, the reason why we uh, we went with this one because, as we said, we like to pick idiosyncratic moments, not the greatest moments, where we can actually learn something. And, and what we learned from this game was: uh, a, do not be complacent; b, don't sign a load of crap players. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we we didn't really learn from that, did we? <laughs> no, we didn't. Mm-hmm. And C, play your own game when you play in the Blues and dictate it. Because last season game against at Villa Park against the Blues, for my money, was probably the most, and this is even including uh, the Wolves game, mm-hmm. was the most controlled performance from across the whole 90 minutes uh, of any Villa performance that season. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, rem- I remember last year's game because Blues had come yeah. off quite a good run, hadn't they? And it was considered from their side that this is the best chance they're going to have to beat Villa. Yeah. Villa were on a good run at the time as well. I think they that was the seventh win on the bounce for Villa. And everyone was a bit nervy going to the game. But within about 20 minutes, I kind of thought, Do you know what, actually, we look pretty good here. And as soon as we got the first goal, we were never going to lose from that point. And, and, and Blues never looked well, like scoring, Well, I remember the comments, and I am paraphrasing, that, that he felt his team were overawed by walking out into Villa Park and... Yeah, he said they lacked any kind of and, belief, didn't they? And that's because they? Birmingham City are a small-time, clog-dancing, squirrel <laughs> No, no, that's, that's Fulham. Uh, sorry, sorry. Inbred, no mark, <laughs> worthless, stain upon a fine, otherwise fine city. Hopefully. And they shall receive an additional beating <laughs> this Sunday, lunchtime, and the world will once again... And in the form of administration when they breach financial I mean, financial they've got a ridiculously named stadium. They, I mean... The Trillion I mean, Trophy. <sighs> let's, let's not drop the level of decorum on the show. Fucking nobody. In term, just one last, uh, going back to the Perslow thing, the final notes uh, before we leave you for this episode. Uh, financial fair play, you just mentioned it there. <sighs> Perslow addressed that. I think that was one of his three points he brought up before we got on our agenda. And he said... Uh, they are quietly confident there's not going to be any problems. He obviously knows the financial fair play, having sat on one of the working boards that kind of derived it. 
And he said, you know, we are addressing it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we are quietly confident that everything will be all right, blah, blah. And then later on, I asked a follow-up question. When when I was uh, addressing uh, what happened to the recon training complex, I said, in terms of financial fair play, are there choppy waters to be navigated? Or, or are you like confident as any other club would be uh, of meeting him? And he did admit that they, they were choppy waters to uh, navigate first. So it's not, you know, it's not let's all kick back and lean back in deck chairs and smoke cigars because we're going to be all right. There is obviously uh, a bit of thought still to go in. And I think it depends on where we, in terms of the, the transfer window and what's going to happen, I think it really depends where we sit in the league table going into that January month. Because if we're beyond hope, in the lower half uh, of the league and showing no signs of life, I don't think they'll be uh, venturing forth, getting in, let's say, any any name to uh, kick us on. But if we're in there, then I think they'll be pretty bullish that we can actually make mm. it this season. I mean, I think they'll know that, similarly to what Wolves had last year, that they know that the best way to get rid of all the problems yeah. is by getting promoted. And that was what we were gambling on last time. But... I think there's other chapters of this story of the 2018-19 season, but I think it's actually the book is just beginning now. The first few chapters were a bit waffly, really, and a bit uh, nondescript, but now we're getting into the meat and gravy. Hopefully it starts with a uh, comfortable win against the Blues. Right, until we're dancing naked down Broad Street at the weekend, it's <coughs> goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. goodbye. My old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.